Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. This is Carlos Colazo bringing you another draft podcast. Today, I've got a really fun interview with Burl Caraway, the top relief pitcher in the college class, the top reliever in the entire 2020 class, regardless of demographic. He's a lefty from Dallas Baptist. I got to spend about 30 minutes with Burl, kind of talking about uh, the ramifications of the coronavirus on this season, his development as a pitcher, his growth at Dallas Baptist his expectations for the draft, uh, and a lot more. It was a it was a blast talking to Burl. I really appreciate him taking the time to chat with me about baseball, about the draft, just about everything that, that he's kind of gone through in the past three years. Uh, I really think you guys are going to enjoy that conversation. But just a, a few housekeeping things here before we jump into that interview. Um, on the website today, we released uh, some top 100 prospect information, obviously without much of much of any baseball going on at the minor league level. We couldn't do the uh, the typical update that we would do at this point. So the guys, the minor league team, wrote up basically the best games, the best professional games for each of our top 100 prospects. Uh, so you can jump into that and kind of see the, the high points for all of these guys to this point in their career. Obviously, many, many more to come for, for most of those players. Uh, additionally, um, online you can now see our Dodgers player development feature that was one of the focal points of our latest issue of the magazine that is now live on the website um, if you guys subscribe to the print magazine that should be out now it should be in your mailboxes if you're a subscriber um, a very heavy coronavirus issue uh, we had to pivot obviously to, to kind of put that one together disappointing to do but I think there are a lot of impactful stories that are told throughout the issue uh, at every level of the game. One that I was fortunate enough to be able to write was kind of how this affects high school seniors. I talked with Alex Santos, right-handed pitcher out of New York, and Chase Davis, a, a tooled-up outfielder in California. Both of those guys, uh, like everyone in the country, are obviously impacted. So talk to them about kind of what they're doing in the downtime, what are the things they're missing out on, uh, outside of just baseball from their senior years because there's obviously a lot of important stuff that happens during that year. So disappointing to have to write, but um, these guys are, are professionals. They're handling it really well, and, and luckily for them, they're going to have baseball in the future. Uh, for a lot of players who aren't kind of at that talent level, um, baseball's kind of over, and it's just taken away uh, very suddenly. So that's disappointing. Um, but you can read that, check that out, see how kind of those players are, are handling the situation. As for draft stuff moving forward on the website, we're currently uh, getting feedback for our, our next update. Um, we're going to expand and update the draft rankings, just again, based on more more feedback from scouts, cross-checkers, scouting directors. We're soliciting more and more information and feedback, so we really appreciate all the, uh, the time those guys have taken to kind of 
Um, just look over our list and see who needs to be higher, who needs to be lower. Uh, we're continuing to gather more information on, on players deeper in the list. Uh, the top 100 reports are up for the top 100 draft prospects. There are going to be a few tweaks um, in the top 100 for our next update, probably. Most of the guys at the very top end aren't going to change drastically. Um, and I mean, for good reason. There's, there's really no reason unless we are missing someone in that range. And hopefully <laughs> in April, we aren't missing someone in the top 30. So uh, look forward to those updated rankings coming out. We're doing a draft chat today that might be going on um, before or after you listen to this podcast, depending on when you download it and when you listen. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what's on the table for me. Um, and without further ado, I guess let's jump into this conversation with Burl Caraway. Um, I don't know how great the audio quality is just because again, we're kind of remote outside of the studio trying to figure out the best ways to get good audio quality in these interviews. I think at the beginning, um, you can't hear a burl super great that lasts maybe like five seconds, then his audio picks up. And the rest of the conversation, I think my voice is a little bit muffled, but let's be honest, you're here to listen to burl. Uh, and I think his audio is pretty clear for the duration of the interview. So hopefully that is, uh, that is listenable. Again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, hope you are all staying safe out there dealing with this coronavirus pandemic, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Uh, so I guess, Burl, can you take me to, I guess it makes sense to start out with uh, kind of this season uh, getting shut down the way it was. Obviously, you were pitching really well to start the season. Uh, what kind of went through your mind when you realized the 2020 season was just kind of over for you and for everyone else? I mean, when did you realize that? Like, where were you and what was kind of going through your head? Mind was like, oh, they're not going to let our fans in. There's only going to be 40 people allowed the stands. You know, just, just that kind of minor stuff we're worried about. And mm-hmm. we uh, kind of news gets passed back down the bus that, you know, they're canceling the series. And so we were all kind of just shocked by that. I mean, I didn't think it would come to that. Mm-hmm. We, we turn around, we're about an hour and a half away. Uh, so we turned back around and got back and we're thinking, you know, man, we're going to get back. They're going to make us practice, you know, that type of mm-hmm. stuff. And, uh, and we get back and have a team meeting. He just says, you know, we'll keep all updated what we hear. And right about that time is when, you know, we start seeing everywhere college world series canceled and, it was just, you know, enough of the team had been dismissed that it was just a few of us sitting around and it was just disbelief. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm getting on the phone, making calls to my dad, making calls to my advisor, you know, who's going to know the answers behind this stuff. Cause there's no way it's real. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as it kind of set in, it was just thinking about, man, like, what about my seniors? Like, what about the guys that have been, I've been here with for three years mm-hmm. and this is the last kind of go around. And so, you know, obviously that got a little bit better news as we went and looked like they were going to get their eligibility back. But for a little bit, it was pretty bleak and, uh, you know, had to hang around campus, but couldn't do baseball related stuff. So just, just a weird time. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, you mentioned that kind of period of just unknown and trying to see what's going to happen with everything. What were you guys doing uh, during that time? I guess it was about maybe a week or even more where really no one really knew anything at all. There were rumors about the draft getting canceled. Now we know it could be shortened to five rounds, could be anywhere from five to ten, maybe more, but probably in that five to ten round range. But as far as like what you guys are even doing, like basically like a week after everything starts getting canceled, like what are you guys even up to? What are you, what are you doing as a team? Yeah, I mean, we were, I think pretty shortly after that day that we found out that the College World Series got canceled, they actually took us out and we had a team meal mm-hmm. at a Brazilian steakhouse. And so 
So it was kind of like a, a weird feeling. We didn't all know for sure, but there was a feeling in the air like, hey, this might kind of be the last time we all get together for a while. Yeah. And so, you know, we did that and we tried to do our fair share of team stuff, you know, just around Dallas on campus, hanging out at different townhomes. But once they, you know, we were kind of waiting to hear from the coaches. And once they announced like, hey, you guys might want to go home for a little bit, started sending people home. That's when it was kind of like, man, like these guys are going back to California, going back to Minnesota. You just never know when you're going to, when you're going to be able to see them again. And so it was like a lot of zoom meetings with the coaches and they're trying to fill us in with what's going on. And, uh, you know, I went back home on a Wednesday and stayed until Sunday and came back up. And that was when it was kind of, things had settled in. We kind of knew a little bit more, like things are going to be shut down till probably summertime. Mm-hmm. And so came back up and I've just been able to do my throwing and my individual work. But as guys trickle back in or come by campus for a little bit, uh, it's, it's really nice seeing teammates and stuff again. Cause like I said, we've got guys all over that not really sure when the next time I'm going to see them is. Yeah, no doubt. And I want to talk a little bit about kind of the team perspective as well. Obviously wanted to dive into kind of your personal story and, and kind of what you're expecting moving forward, but uh, a really strong start to you guys. I actually got to see uh, the North Carolina series when you came through and, and got a big series win in Chapel Hill and a 12 and four start to the season. What were your kind of expectations for the team this year? And, and just how did you guys, how did you personally feel about how the team was playing through the first three weeks or so? Yeah, I mean, we had, so we had a lot of new guys. And so it was a little bit of an unknown going into the season. Uh, our fall was a little spotty, you know, just kind of who's going to end up where in terms of the lineup and the starting rotation, that type of thing. We just a lot of unknowns. And then, you know, early January when we started doing scrimmages and stuff, things really started coming together. And it was like, hey, this is a team that can really pitch. And we know Coach Heath and the guys that are here, he's always going to have, like, we're always going to hit. And so, yeah. you know, it was kind of a, you know, pitchers, you know, I like, I'm a pitcher, so I'm biased, but pitching and defense wins the champions. And so I, you know, I was thinking if we can keep any team we play to one, two, three runs and our hitters are going to give us a chance. And so had really high expectations and then to go play a good North Carolina team and be able to get a series win at that place, you know, and we try not to look at RPI and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. just looking at y'all's rankings, you know, and where we start climbing up and mm-hmm. it's right about that time of the year that teams start really coming together. So it was, it was an exciting thing and, and pretty sad to see, you know, we won't, we won't end up finding out how good we could have been, but yeah, I was really proud of where the team was so far. Definitely. And then, and then kind of you personally, obviously junior year is a very big, a very big year for you in terms of the draft, in terms of uh, your kind of role on the team. What were your personal expectations for yourself this season? Did you have any kind of goals that you set for yourself? Are you kind of guy that, that sets maybe benchmarks like that? Or is it just a mindset of continued improvement? Where, where's kind of your headspace before the season began going into the year? Yeah, so I think the main thing for me was like that I wanted to be sure that I wasn't the guy that it was like, man had a really breakout sophomore season and then kind of dropped off like i just wanted i wanted to prove to myself and to other people that it's like i'm the real deal and it wasn't just a one-year thing mm-hmm. and so going into the season like you said i you know I, statistically i didn't really set too many goals my two goals were actually i wanted to i wanted to throw a pitch 100 miles an hour and i wanted to strike out two people in any and well, you were well on the way for for this. <laughs> yeah, so I was I was pretty close, and uh, it everything was going my way, and yeah, it's kind of a shame things got cut short because I really think I was gonna at least make it close. But uh, but yeah, it was 
I was just kind of like I said, I wanted to come out and make a statement. I wanted it to be, you know, I told the coach before the season talking about our roles and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I love pitching the ninth inning, man. But like, when you think that when you think the game's going to be decided, that's when I want to be in. And so I was just looking forward to being able to help the team win a lot of games this year. And then we were off to a good start. Definitely, definitely. And can you kind of – I'd like to go back into your college career a little bit. You said the sophomore season was your breakout career. Um, your freshman year, you didn't throw that much. I kind of want to get a sense of what that season was like, <laughs> where you were at in terms of uh, just your talent level. I'd love to know, like, kind of your development as a pitcher and, and what it's like to, to come to school. I'm sure everyone who goes into college uh, on the baseball team assumes they're going to have, like, a great role or at least uh, a lot of playing time. Maybe that's not the case for everyone. But what's it like kind of having to just kind of sit there and, and pay your dues for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I was – it was definitely a struggle freshman year. You were, you were nice about it, but I was like <laughs> two appearances, ERA in the hundreds. I mean, it was it was bad. And so there was definitely, you know, a little bit of a learning curve there. Uh-huh. I had shown, I had shown moments of like, hey, this guy's going to – could could end up being a really good pitcher. But when the spring came, you know, some things didn't go my way, and it just – you know, on the field it wasn't working for me. And so uh-huh. but I think I was – like so i'm young for my grade i was 18 at the time and i guess i just you know i don't think mentally you know obviously i made some strides physically the past couple of years too but yeah. just mentally wasn't wasn't really in the best spot and so i think you know honestly it helped me out having to go through that struggle and mm-hmm. trying to kind of grow you know growing my faith grows a man and that ended up boosting me to be a better pitcher so going through that season it was you know, like you said, I had expectations to contribute. When it stopped looking that way, it was okay. You know, when the team wins, I win. If it's, if it's not me out there pitching, I got to be behind the guy that's pitching and mm-hmm. trying to be a good teammate, that type of stuff. And then I feel like that really helped me when I went off to the Coastal Plains League and had a super good experience there. And I was, you know, I think I was a better person, a better teammate. And that's when you start seeing that success. And yeah, that's how that's kind of how it went for me. Yeah, and you had a really strong year in the Coastal Plain League. I think it's something like 25 innings, 3.2 ERA, 45 strikeouts, and 14 walks. Like you mentioned, a lot of it was on the mental side. What are some of those things you kind of had to figure out that allowed you to to take your game to the next level? Yeah, I think it was you know a lot of it was confidence. Uh, you know, so I was I was super confident pitcher in high school, and I'm a confident pitcher now. But it's a little when you go through some struggles and you're not really contributing to the team you can get down on yourself and so a lot of it was I mean I hadn't been on the mound in forever and I got up to the Coastal Plains League and Coach Roundtree says you know it's my second day there he says hey go get hot you're going in and so just even just little stuff like that man I I had been waiting to hear that all season Uh and uh, finally get to hear it and go in and pitch well and it's just I mean it's just turning over a new page and so that was a really big thing for me and just really good teammates I started pitching well which was you know something I had missed, and so when I when I got back to doing that, and I had good guys behind me up there, uh, that that played a huge role in kind of turning me into the pitcher that I am now. Even though, like you said, it's not like I was throwing 98 then. Just the ment- mental side of it, and you know, just having the tools that I did then, uh, I was able to put something together. Yeah, awesome. I was actually going to ask what you were kind of throwing at that point in your freshman year, and even I guess into that summer. What kind of pitcher were you? What kind of velos were you hitting? Yeah, so I would say all through freshman year and in that summer and even in my sophomore fall, mm-hmm. I was like an 89-92 pitcher from the left side. Still had a good curveball. Um, and it was, you know, my command was kind of the same that it is now. So it was, 
you know, not not as I definitely wouldn't call myself a field guy, but uh, <laughs> but you know, a little little effectively wild and uh, just not not lighten it up, but mm-hmm. could definitely light it up there when I needed to. And uh, it wasn't until, like I said, I sophomore fall came back from the Coastal Plains League, pitched through the fall, did pretty good, mm-hmm. was still at nine ninety two ish, and then went on Christmas break. And when I came back from Christmas break, I guess January of last year was uh was when i started seeing you know first pitch was 95 and then 96 and seven and then kept that velo through through the spring last year what's what's that like as a pitcher when you i don't know if you have a gun like the first times you started throwing that like if you knew right away but what's it like seeing a radar gun or hearing like hey you're hitting 95 you're hitting 96 you're hitting 97 from from the left side like <laughs> yeah no it's definitely like? chills uh, it's definitely chills i was up there pitching you know and i had like i said i had had a good a good fall but i just i wasn't quite the guy and you know going out there and i was feeling pretty good and i throw my first pitch and you turn and look and it's you know three miles an hour higher than i had ever hit before and yeah. that team in the dugout even though it's an inner squad team in the dugout it's kind of going crazy for me and it was just kind of chills and just you know i felt like a, a moment of relief you know like hard work pays off and and that that confidence will propel you to having a good season like I did last year too. So I was, I was pretty happy with how that all came together. Yeah, that's awesome. I kind of like to dive into kind of how that that fastball velocity came to be. I mean, I feel like at least from my perspective, covering the draft, I, I will see routinely plenty of, and this is a lot on the high school level, just because those kids can can change so quickly. Um, but it happens at every level, obviously. Just guys using the off season to either overhaul their body, get leaner, or if they're kind of skinnier guys, they add a lot of strength, and it just, it seems like they become completely different pitchers. Was was it more of just adding strength for you, or was it something like maybe uh, refining the mechanics of your delivery? What was kind of, what, what led to that velocity increase? Sure, so there was a couple of things. Um, I would say, I right, so I'm definitely, I guess you saw me pitch in North Carolina, but it's not like I was, I'm not the huge guy. I'm like six foot. At the time, I was probably six foot 165, mm-hmm. and I went back home and I gained I gained probably 10 pounds. And so I definitely there was a little bit of just maturing physically, kind of put some muscle on, got strong, mm-hmm. and that definitely helped me. And then I came back actually in my in my exit meeting in the fall, just before I left for Christmas break. I told the coaches like, hey. Yeah, I want to get, I want to I want to boost my velo because I was always a guy that did you know get into the physical cues. I played outfield in high school, mm-hmm. and my favorite thing was throwing guys out from center field. So super mm-hmm. <laughs> ball and throw it to home plate, and I was I was good at it. And so I get here and I was throwing, I was burning that you know pull downs, whatever you want to call it. I was hitting you know I hit 102 right before we went to Christmas break. Mm-hmm. So I went into coach's office during my exit meeting. And I'm like, hey, coach, I'm my main goal i'm hitting 102 on a pull down like i want to i want to come back and shrink that gap because it shouldn't be that big and so when i got back coach hop and i worked on a little bit of mechanic stuff and a lot of just mentality stuff and that's how i got it to transfer to the mound yeah so i guess see, just seeing that result in a pull down and you just kind of knew hey this is in the tank now i need a way to kind of get this on the mound yeah, exactly. Okay, awesome. And then can you kind of take me through, you don't have to go too detailed into, obviously, you threw 41 innings your sophomore year, but what was that kind of contrast like? Obviously, freshman season, a little disappointing. Uh, you wanted to be on the field a lot more than you were, but sophomore year, a 2.8 ERA over 41 innings, 72 strikeouts and 22 walks. I mean, you kind of made your, your stamp on the college game that year. What was that season like for you? Yeah, 
Yeah, it was it was incredible. I think, you know, I was as the season went on, I was just getting better because, you know, kind of start out things are fresh and then by mid season it was like kinda had gotten used to the new new pitcher with new stuff that I was and so it was awesome being able to just immediately get the opportunities to go out there and then on top of that being able to just get better as I was going and you know we got some really good pitchers on our staff we had two just ridiculous starters last year Jordan Martinson and MD Johnson mm-hmm. and you know being able to come in after those guys shove it, it it makes it easier on me a little bit but you know being thrown into the fire a little bit thrown in some close games some fun games and uh yeah I got I got a lot of good memories from last year that that I'll keep with me that's awesome. How, how long did it take to get used to throwing mid and upper 90s fastballs? Was there an adjustment period for that? Yeah, there was. You could probably, I could probably point it out to you in the stat book. It was when the walk started going down a little bit was when I kind of got used to it. Yeah. Uh, but it was definitely like a, you know, I started feeling a little bit like it was a hit or miss type thing. You know, you put me in and you can tell in about two hitters, is it going to be there? Is it not today? And I think after a few outings like that, it was kind of time to decide, like, hey, it's, it's time to take the next step. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if they're going to trust me to put me in, in a big-time situation like that, you gotta you got to be able to dominate. And so that started happening less and less. I know a big part of it, funny story, I was uh, TCU here last year at D- here at DBU, mm-hmm. and I went in, I guess, sixth inning or something like that, and I threw 13 straight balls, walked the bases loaded, and got – 1-0 count on a guy and uh everybody was like that's when people are starting to murmur you know mm-hmm. and i'm looking in the dugout you know i don't want to get taken out with three of my runners on base just a terrible performance so far and so it's kind of like a give him a nod and like hey i got this and i ended up striking out the side and leaving them all there and uh that was a that was probably a big turning point for me as a pitcher it's just like hey it's you know you just got to put it there your stuff's gonna win and so that was a big like I said, big turning point. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you change like how you attack hitters now that you have that added velocity to go to? I feel like me personally, I've, I've never even come close to throwing that hard. I played in high school. I was never a pitcher. But if I threw that hard, I feel like I would just constantly try and just overwhelm batters with a fastball. Did you have any kind of mentality change uh, or, or change in how you attack hitters just stuff-wise because you have more of the tank now? Yeah, a little bit for sure. Um, I would tell you pretty much my entire career I was a little bit you know here's my stuff like hit it you know pitching Mm -hmm. with a little bit of an attitude and so it wasn't too hard to step that up a little bit but there's definitely you know when you know you're blowing it by guys there's definitely adds a little bit of the like it kind of like I said adds a little bit of attitude to you and so you know that's that's the point where it's just like hey you know you almost want to start signaling the hitters what's coming and just (laughs) just seeing, seeing how much you can how much you can get by them so that helped a little bit you start my confidence was already there, but then you you start throwing hard like that too, and it's it really works out. Yeah, I, I did want to touch on this kind of the mentality you have to have as like a late inning guy, um, and it sounds like you've had that for a while. I mean, what what kind of a mentality and a demeanor on the mound do you need in that role, and do you feel like that's maybe evolved with you as you've kind of progressed as a pitcher, or is that something that you've just always had? Yeah, so um, I guess I would say the main thing for me, like. I think everybody has a different level they need to be at to pitch at their best. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a closer specifically, you know, you're going in at the biggest moment. And so for me, like, that's the type of thing I live for. I mean, I, I come out of pin hair on fire. Like, I love that, you know, mm-hmm. first pitch halfway up the backstop, like whatever. That's a, <laughs> that's a thing I live for. So, you know, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like Ricky Vaughn in major league, you know, mm-hmm. it comes out 
screaming wild thing, you know? And so that's kind of the mentality I take to it for, for guys. It's diff- it's different for guys, but you see a lot of that in closures. And so that just fits my personality really well. And so that's why it's been, you know, I was a starter in high school, but I was still the same type of pitcher. And so I think when I got to college, it was pretty clear, like, Hey, this guy, this guy needs to pitch out of the bullpen in big time situations. And I got to just where I, it's like, now I live for that. So yeah. When you kind of first had that conversation that you were going to be in a reliever role, is that something that you kind of like jumped into and were excited about, or is that something you were a little bit more hesitant? I guess I, I imagine a lot of guys who, I imagine most people begin as starters, and then when you kind of are told like uh, we, you'll be a better fit in a reliever role, like is that uh, is that something that you're excited about, or maybe you're a little bit, I guess, hesitant to, to kind of step towards? Yeah, so I guess I, it happened freshman year, and I this was before I knew, you know, I was not nearly as knowledgeable about the game as I am now. And so back then it was just like, hey, if I can get in, I'll get in. You know, I'll go in and strike some people out, whatever. You know, like I didn't, you know, back then I wasn't thinking because I had no idea. I wasn't thinking, oh, no, to, you know, to help my draft stock, I want to be a starter or to do this or this, I want to be a reliever. And so it was kind of just a, you know, I trust the coaches. That's why I came to DBU. I like the coaches a lot. They know what they're talking about. And so trusted that they'd put me in the best spot they could to have some success and it turns out they were right about it so mm-hmm. no doubt and, and I kind of wanted to touch onto kind of the reliever aspect of the draft stock conversation bro just talking to you it seems like you're you're pretty self-aware uh you have a good recognition of like everything that's going on around you where you kind of fit into everything what do you think about like obviously coming into your junior year I guess we can take it one step back actually at what point did you realize you were going to be a pretty big factor in the draft. Was that your sophomore year? Was it kind of after your experience with USA Baseball, which we haven't even talked about? But, but I mean, was it even before you got to college, did you always know, like, hey, this is what I have a chance to do? Yeah, so it was It was certainly not before college and certainly not after freshman year. Yeah. So it was kind of new. I would say, really, so I – sophomore year, it was going well for me. You know, I started – I came out and, like I said, first outing of – in January or whatever, I popped like a 96 or something. And, you know, it was just an inter-squad scrimmage, not many people there, Mm -hmm. maybe some scouts there to see people weren't expecting to see me. And then, you know, I get a text that night from a potential like advisement group Mm -hmm. and, Hey, like we want to sit down get, get dinner with you or whatever, start talking about potentially the draft and what's going to be happening for you this season, next season. And it was kind of like, dang, like, I just had an agent text me, you know, I was like super thrilled about that. Like I thought it was awesome. And so kind of through that season, I was balancing, you know, focusing on the season as well as like, you know, I got different groups that are texting me that want to meet and sit down and they're running stuff by me about the draft. And then finally get the courage, go up to coach and Hey, like, I don't want to be thinking too far ahead, but like, and are, if you guys think I'm going to go to the Cape, like I'd like to know so that I can tell, these people that are asking me and they're like, Oh yeah, like we'll for sure get you there. But also the team, the team USA has been really interested. And so when I kind of learned all that stuff and that information starts getting around, then it's like, you kind of let yourself, let yourself think about it a little more. And mm-hmm. even the bad juju to think about it too much, you you let the mind wander a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's gotta be an awesome feeling. I mean, I feel like everything kind of culminated for you that year. You got people wanting to represent you. You're thinking about the draft. Now you're thinking about playing for Team USA. Like that has to be just a tremendous confidence boost. Yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, I, cause I was, I I get the call. I call my dad right after we had the little, 
you know, possibly Team USA uh-huh. conversation. And I was like, man, that's that's crazy because it was still early for me. I was like, that's crazy. My dad's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, you might just want to stick to the Cape and just see how it goes there. You know? And then, uh, well, obviously started having some more and more success. And it's like, hey, I'm I'm turning myself into, you know, I want to I want to compete against the best of the best, and I think I'm going to be able to hold my own. And uh-huh. so it was definitely a little bit of a it was new for us but once it really started going then the, the confidence was there yeah and i kind of want to get into the team usa experience as well you didn't throw a ton for usa but none of the pitchers on team usa really throw a ton of innings just considering the schedule what was that environment like what was it like pitching with all of the guys you got to pitch with and what was it like for you just being able to represent the country yeah that was i mean i can't say i can't say enough good stuff about that experience it was it was ridiculous i mean getting to go even just to the trials, I was thrilled. I got the call from Coach Heefner. I had just went home after our Lubbock Regional, went home, got got back to campus, had my eggs meeting, went home. Coach Heath calls me one morning, hey, like, they're inviting you to the trials. That's going to be awesome. Like, go do your best. And it's kind of, you know, a little nervous, but, like, that's going to be awesome. And so I went up to the Cape for a week and a half-ish, got one inning in there, and then went kind of getting back in shape and then went down to the trials. And it was, I mean – I could talk all I could talk all day about Taiwan, Japan, and whatever. But like in playing Cuba, that was incredible. But one of my favorite things was just pitching in the trials. I mean, you're I got to pitch three innings in the trials, and you're facing Spencer Torkelson, and then Nick Lofton, and then you know Colton Cowser. And it's like, well, you know, you really get a chance to say like, hey, who's who's the best of the best? And so to be able to pitch there and then to have success there and then go do off fun stuff and then man you get to come and uh, bring that experience back to you and back to the season for this year and it was like hey i've already i've already pitched against the best of the best so i can have full confidence yeah definitely do you remember the results of those ab's i mean what'd you do against the potential one-one pick in torquilson yeah so uh he went he, he first pitched uh yanked one down the line foul and you know it was it was kind of like a, I threw that and he kind of, he did that and he was feeling himself a little bit, you know? And so I was like, okay, this guy, like this guy wants some, you know? So, so of course I'm, I'm thinking this guy, this guy for sure thinks like, Oh, he's not going to throw another fastball. So, so I went like four straight fastballs to him and just trying to absolutely blow it by him. Uh, ended up getting to like a two, two count. He swung through a couple of them and then threw him a pretty good breaker. And he like, <laughs> really weak ground ball back to me and I, I threw him out at first so there you go was, uh, yeah I'll take it for sure it was fun I like I said I showed well in the trials it was a lot of good players there and so yeah it was that was incredible yeah no doubt okay and then kind of getting into this year obviously this season went as as no one expected I don't think anyone's ever gonna go into a year thinking that everything will just be shut down because of a global pandemic but like what is your mentality knowing that you're a college reliever uh, and kind of how that stands up in the draft? What are you kind of looking to prove as a junior in terms of your draft stock? Uh, and, and how are you looking to kind of improve as a pitcher? Where's, where's your mindset at in terms of the draft? Because I know it's something you're thinking about. Like you said, it'd be, it'd be a little bit much probably to think about it constantly, but like what's kind of your mindset in, in terms of the draft in any year? Sure. Well, I mean, so kind of kind of like I was saying earlier, if the season's still going right now, man, I'm not I'm not paying attention to that at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just on pitching well, 
winning games and i know if that's gonna if that happens and it's gonna put me in a good spot what's yeah. interesting is you know season ends all of a sudden i didn't think i was gonna be thinking about this stuff but you know now it's that's pretty much what the next step is so you gotta look at that type of thing and i just you know as far as the draft goes i i don't think i could have shown you know much better than i did this year i ended on a really good night i was fortunate that i was pitching well when things did end and so you know, I think, I think as far as like having a little bit of something to prove, like, you know, I, I know the, the guys kind of the thing is relief pitchers just don't go high in the draft. And so I think a little bit of that is motivation. Like, Hey, you know, I think I've proven that I've, I mean, I've speaking to the team USA, I've seen all of those guys pitch that are in the top five picks discussion, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, I've seen myself pitch right along next to those guys and I have full confidence that you can put my stuff against anybody else's. And so, you know, it just depends what teams are looking for, but going to be working pretty hard to be taken high and be a relief pitcher. You know, hopefully it proves some people wrong. Yeah, no doubt. And, and now that the season has ended, what can you do at this point to kind of stay in shape and continue kind of working on your craft? What are, what are you able to do right now? What's your schedule like? Right, so I've I've got a pretty good arm, arm throwing program that I'm on that my pitching coach put me on. I'm throwing. I'm on campus still, so I'm able to throw on the field and, kind of do whatever workouts I can do there. Um, and so it's just, you know, I'm long tossing. I'm doing a three weeks-ish of arm strengthening program, and then I'll do three weeks building back onto the mounds and then stay in shape from then on just in case I need to throw in front of some people prior to the draft. Uh, but, yeah, it's that's pretty much what I'm doing, trying to stay sane, get as much work in as I can. Yeah, no doubt. And then I wanted to do a couple of quick questions with you at the end here, just uh, some more fun stuff, some more light hard stuff. I really appreciate you kind of just breaking down really your entire college uh, career. It's been fun to just kind of hear you talk about how you've developed as a pitcher, uh, so I appreciate it. But I want to know, uh, are there any hitters that maybe come to mind that maybe the most impressive hitters that you've ever pitched against or thrown against? Obviously, Torkelson might be one, but, but who are some guys who are, either, who are either challenging to pitch to or uh, who you were like, excited to to be able to throw against um yeah i'll tell you so i i kind of try and like when i come into the game i'm not the guy that looks at the scouting report like okay hey uh this guy is their leadoff hitter he's going to be this type of guy and so i i try not to pay too much attention to the to the other people just kind of the same mentality as i'm pitching like hey my stuff is going to win so interesting you know i but then you go and play at the USA trials and you, you know, the guys are stepping into the box. And so I'll just tell you, you know, all those guys are fun to pitch to. Uh, like you said, I pitched to Spencer. I pitched to uh golden cows or I pitched to Casey Martin. Love, love pitching to him. And so just a lot of those guys, I can't tell you anybody specific that really gave me trouble, but, uh, um, are there any other pitchers that you kind of admire from afar, whether that's at the college level or guys at the major league level who you either can appreciate as a pitcher or maybe try and um, model some part of your game after? For sure. Yeah. So I'll, so I'll give, I'll give a shout out to a couple of college pitchers like that I got to play with this summer. I mean, I, I was pretty good friends with Kate Cavalli. He's a heck of a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was pretty good friends with Nick Frosso uh, from Loyola Marymount. And uh, Andrew Abbott was a relief guy like me. And so those guys from that team, uh, solid pitchers. I mean, they're, they're all incredible. And so pitching alongside those guys was awesome. And then as far as professional pitchers goes, um, one of the big ones for me is Mr. Clayton Kershaw. Uh, I had the chance to meet him 
you know, he's kind of a Dallas guy. So I've had the chance to meet him a couple of times and my coach put me in contact with him. And, you know, he's a guy ride fastball, you know, big curveball lefty. He's a starter obviously, but uh, yeah, it's been, and he's, he's just a good dude on and off the field. And so that was the fun one. And then, uh, you know, I kind of, as far as modeling my game, man, I, you know, I love watching like the Chapman and the Josh haters pitch. That's just, yeah. that's what I want to model myself after just go out there and just strike people out, throw the heck out of the ball. And so modeling my game after that a little bit, you know, I think what Aroldis Chapman has done in the game is incredible. And so it's always, you know, I go out there and hit a hundred and it's like, wow, that's really cool. You know? And then it's humbling looking back like that guy's throwing 106 or whatever. So yeah. It's always given me something to pursue. I, I look up to those guys, just just like watching them pitch. No doubt. And, and looking at those guys, I mean, your game resembles a lot of the stuff that they're able to do. So is that kind of role, that kind of Chapman, that kind of hater role, something that, that you're kind of striving for in, in your future career? Is that something you could see yourself doing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it would certainly just depend on what the team wants of me. But I I think I, my goal is to close in the big leagues, and I want to face the best of the best, and that's the way to do it. So getting to go in in those big time situations you know world series whatever it is uh that's what i would love to do all right uh what's your what's your walk-in music what's your entrance music gonna be you have, <laughs> well i'm not uh, sure what it's is gonna be question of the whole podcast <laughs> yeah so i walked out to thunder by imagine dragons last year and this year mm-hmm. and uh it's kind of interesting it's it starts off just a young gun with a quick fuse and that's kind of kind of how i pitch and so that was a good one but you know DBU has pretty strict rules on what we're allowed to use or not use for walkouts. And so, you know, I could see myself letting loose a little bit if I get the chance. And, you know, every once in a while walking out to like Fireman by Lil Wayne or something. There just, just, but, uh, yeah, it was Thunder by Imagine Dragons the past couple of years. It did me well. I appreciate that you're a Lil Wayne fan on top of everything else. So, of course. Yeah, of course. You for that. <laughs> all right, Burl, uh, those are all the questions that I had. It's been a blast talking to you. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we hop off here? No, that's it. Thank you. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate the time and uh, looking forward to see what you're doing uh, in your future career, man. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thanks again to Burl for coming on the podcast. Uh, and thank you all for listening to the, the entire podcast if you still made it with us. Uh, again, thank you to all of our subscribers. If you have not subscribed, we're still coming out with uh, a ton of insightful information and, and stories and just content that you can, you can read and maybe take your mind off of everything that's going on in the world today. Uh, obviously, when baseball gets back, we'll be right back at everything as well. Uh, but again, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.